good to have you here this morning. Uh, if you're new here, just really confused, we don't decorate like this every week. Uh, we had VBS, Vacation Bible School, this last week, and so that's uh, kind of a definite theme of this morning's service. And uh, yeah, pretty excited about it. Uh, a couple of announcements, and then we'll, we'll pray and we'll keep going. On August 2nd, we're having a pool party, and uh, you're all invited. We're, we went to a pool, a couple of us were at a, a pool party a while back, and we said, this is so much fun, we should do it as a church. And so on August 2nd, we rented the pool from 7 p.m. until close. About 9 p.m., we invited all the VBS kids and their families as well and their friends, so you guys should probably show up, just because we might need some adult supervision, if nothing else. So, and uh, we'll probably have some ice cream as well, that kind of thing. Uh, we're getting into the, the time where we need to set up the schedule again for the nursery. And so if you're uh, interested, willing, able, uh, gullible to help out with the nursery, contact Lisa Croker, and uh, she'll, she'll get you on the schedule for that. In your bulletin, there is a prayer card. We're calling it a prayer card. Uh, very shortly, we're going to have a team, a missions team, that's going to head to Utah, and they're going to do... Uh, this VBS, only they're going to do it in Utah. They're going to be working alongside Jason and Nicole, who will be sharing later on this morning uh, about, uh, about their work in Utah. And so there's a prayer card. Stick it on your fridge. Stick it on your Bible. Whenever you see it, uh, do, do a prayer for them. Uh, it's going to be a, a fairly short trip, but, uh, but very impactful. They've already got people signed up, and so we're, we're pretty excited about it. And one other thing is that we are planning to clean this up after the church service. So uh, if you don't have a pot roast or something in the oven, we'd love a little bit of help to, to tear down styrofoam and carry off cans of food. So, All right, let's do a word of prayer and we'll continue on. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the amazing week that we have. And, and Lord, while it was good and informative for the kids, uh, Lord, it was also good and informative for the adults. Thank you so much for the way your, your presence just showed up and the fun we had. Lord, we invite your presence here this morning. May this morning be honoring and glorifying to you. We love you and we worship you. Amen. All right, guys, the kids, get to come up, and you're going to help lead the theme song. Okay, and I'll help you with the actions. You guys can come up on stage. Anyone who is at Bible school, any teachers want to come up, that's fine too. But all the kids, come on up. And we're going to sing, Our God is Powerful. And then after that song, you guys can go back down to your parents.
Oh, those guys did so good. It's BBS week is one of my favorite weeks to worship with kids because they just worship the way that they want to with dancing and singing and shouting, and it's just wonderful. So we want you guys to sing some of the songs that we did. Um, if you want to dance and sing and do the actions, awesome. But go ahead and stand. If you want to remain standing through the whole thing, that's fine. If you want to sit, that's fine too. Thank you. 
Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord our God. You reign forever. Our hope, our strong Do not. 
forever. You give us new life because you rose from the dead. We have life forever. And your love goes on and on. People fail us. This world fails us. We fail. But God, you never fail. You're everlasting. You're strong. You're powerful. We cannot do it on our own, God. We have to depend upon you our strength, and the one who loves us forever. And we just praise you for that and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, at this point in the service, we always like to take a few minutes to have a bit of prayer time. So um, please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we we just quiet our hearts and our minds before you, Lord. Lord, this morning, many of us arrive with concerns, thoughts, burdens, things that weigh us down. And Lord, we just take those and we just lay those at your feet this morning. Father, we ask, is there any way that we have uh, offended you, uh, grieved your Holy Spirit? Uh, is there anything uh, from this last week that, uh, that we need to confess to you or, or to make right with you, Lord? Pray for our church, that we would uh, honor you as you deserve, that we would be faithful in worshiping you and making disciples, that we would uh, be a witness to this community and the circles in which we walk. pray for our community. We, we pray for Henderson and for York County and other communities where we might see some. Uh, we pray for, for leadership in, in, in the community, for, uh, for other churches, for um, uh, mayors and governors, schools, um, fire and police and, and EMS. Lord. We, we pray for those who give leadership and service to our community. Lord, 
pray for our nation, that uh, that godly people would have influence and that they would uh, know your word and lead accordingly. Lord, we pray for the missionaries that we support and love and learn from. For Jason and Nicole, for Kenton and Sebring, for Paul and Sarah, ask for your your blessing, for your protection, for your provision, Lord, and that you would sustain them uh, by your Spirit. know someone who has um, suffered physically. Uh, we pray for, for Tyler Newmanson. We pray for Dale Steinwald. We pray for, pray for Devin Stearns, Lord, and others in our circle who, who need a miracle and need healing. present with us. We love you and we worship you. Amen. Would the kids come up um, as the ushers come up and we're going to sing another special music as sing the mighty power of God. And then after that you can go back to your parents.
as you can tell, it was a great week. Many of you were involved in making it a wonderful week, and we thank you again for doing that. For those of you who didn't get to come to the program and weren't involved, I'm just going to go through a few of the highlights from this week. Um, for five nights, this sanctuary was filled with over 100 kids and over 50 helpers making this all happen. I have to say they were just a little bit louder than they were this morning, but <laughs> it was it was awesome. There was so much energy and fun. To start the evening, Christine and Heidi uh, would lead us in the songs, and we learn um, from the Bible points. There's some examples down there. We had a character for each day, and um, I had a, we learned a verse, and we had a skit, and the kids loved that time. And then they were divided into crews, different crews, and they rotated through four stations. They would go to uh, interactive Bible adventures with Deb. She did a fantastic job. The kids loved that time. Um, she'd start here in base camp and take them over to her room where she had it decorated like there was a river running through it and everything. It was really neat. And then they would go on to games with a bunch of teenage boys who would make it a lot of fun. And uh, then they'd go to uh, Kid Vid Cinema with uh, Sandy and Valerie. And on to Jean, who was leading some science experiments. And in between there, they'd have snacks and singing. So a lot of fun. While this was all going on, Dot had a crew of people downstairs, and there was up to 24 preschoolers down there. Every time I went down there, they were working on crafts or just having a really great time, so she did a fantastic job with that. Um, at the end of the evening, we'd always end with time back in here singing and kind of redoing the review, and, um, and then uh, during that time, Sarah would usually do an object lesson to kind of... Um, the Bible point for the day, and she just enjoyed that as well. So on Friday night, we ended with a, a short program, kind of the same thing we had been doing all week, and, uh, and an ice cream social, and there was lots of people that showed up for that. The highlight of that evening was that the kids were waiting to figure out if they had brought enough food. You can see they brought a lot of food for the community backpack program, and their goal this week was to fill 50 backpacks. Actually filled 68, so that was pretty exciting. And uh, good job. <laughs> so, and the big motivator was that Pastor Luke was going to repel down from the bell tower, and so he did that on Friday night. Was a, a fun um, <laughs> so I think everyone. <laughs> so I want to end. Oh, uh, with I had asked some of the teachers maybe share a story with you, and I'm going to share something that Sandy uh, wrote about her time in KidVid Cinema. This was just a, she showed a short video um, showing the lives of some children that um, kind of brought the Bible point to life, so I want to read what she wrote. KidVid Cinema was a mountaintop experience for me. The children, our mountain climbers, came to our sessions knowing the words and biblical truths for each day. In Kid Vid Cinema, those truths came to life. They were able to see with their own eyes principles lived, being lived out by real children just like them. Children their age, same ages, face the same situations and problems they have to deal with their own families in this world. On the day they learned about forgiveness, one of the younger boys realized from the two brothers in the video that what real forgiveness was like 
Mel had a way to restore his relationship with his older brother who was with him. All the men were his heroes. On the same day, a girl realized for herself that she was the mean girl and wanted to be forgiven by a friend. So Mel had a way to fix it. The next day, the little boy came back, gave me a high five, and said, I did it. And his smile said it all. Remember to live by example. Give God the power, giving God the power to work in us and through us. It's a powerful reminder for me. This BBS series was incredible. I am excited for next year. Thanks for the opportunity to share. I don't think he's here this morning, but it was a joy to, to work with these kids. And all during the week, I kept going around the community, and parents would stop and say, My kid is loving you. Have a short slideshow to share with you this time from the vacation.
excited for the Utah VBS trip. I met with the um, participants here a couple days ago and said, you know, really, you, you, it's, there's kind of a twofold agenda. I mean, one is the VBS program where you're going to go and serve and learn, and that's great. But really, the second half is almost more of a vision trip where the agenda is just to see, to learn, to experience, to take in. And uh, my hope is that you just get your heart just completely broken into, uh, that you just come back wrecked for a people group that needs Jesus. And uh, we're 0.8%. I mean, I think China has better numbers than that. Uh, we're 0.8% are, are you know, evangelical Christians. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Well, I do want to uh, just look at Ephesians a little bit here before we wrap up the day. Uh, as many of you know, we are simply marching through Ephesians and having a lot of fun doing it, or at least I am, and you keep coming back, so I make assumptions. But uh, we've been marching through Ephesians and uh, been really looking at it through the lens of sit, walk, and stand. So the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about identity. And uh, we spent a lot of time looking at what is your identity in Christ? How does God view you? Um, how, what, what is your identity? And, so, and the theme word for those first three chapters was sit. What does it mean to be seated in Christ? Um, Ephesians 4, 5, and part of 6, um, the, the theme is to walk. What does it mean to walk in this world? And uh, we've just started in, in, uh, kind of in that part on how do we take our identity and express that in this world. And you cannot have the walking until you understand the, the, the sitting. Uh, the last part of Ephesians then deals with uh, the enemy, with some spiritual warfare stuff, and what does it mean to, to stand against the enemy. So today we are in chapter 4. We're just going to touch on the first few verses here. Uh, last week we covered verses 1, 2, and 3. Uh, today we're just going to do, uh, what are we going to do? We're going to do 4 to 10. Uh, in 1884, George Stewart painted this. It, it's called uh, A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jotty. And my apologies to everyone how it, that knows how it's properly pronounced. Um, this is kind of an interesting uh, piece of artwork. Uh, it's on display in Chicago. It's quite huge. It's almost seven feet tall. It's over ten feet wide. And it uses a system of painting called pointillism. And that is this piece of artwork has no brush strokes. It is all dots. Thousands and thousands of little dots. And the reason I know this is because this movie was featured in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So uh, before you think I'm some amazing art critic, know that I just watched movies in the 80s. Um, but, it's, but if you zoom in on the girl's face, this is what it looks like. You can see this just dots. Just hundreds of little dots. I don't, seven feet by ten feet, I don't know how long it took this man to just meticulously just do a dot at a time. And so when you look at it from a distance, you have this amazing piece of artwork, and when you zoom in, you just kind of have these dots um, that, that really contribute to, to this majestic piece of artwork. This is kind of what Paul is doing in today's passage, okay? For part of it, he is just going to do a, a big picture, overview, 30,000 foot, kind of big picture, global perspective, and then he's going to sh shift gears, and he's just going to, he's going to zone in on the dots. He's going to zone in on the individuals. He's going to start talking about individuals like, like you and I. 
Uh, let me read uh, the, the passage for you. So last week we covered these verses. I'm in uh, chapter 4, just verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we talked a lot about unity. We, we looked at words like humility and gentleness and patience. And I shared with you just some of what I've learned about working with teams and concepts like preferring teammates above yourself and gripe up, not down, and uh, getting rid of uh, anonymous complaints and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the importance of trust as a foundation for good teams. So moving on, Paul continues. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then here's where he shifts gears. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. In, the, in those uh, verses, verses 4, 5, and 6, Paul does an interesting thing. You don't notice it at first, uh, but once you see it, it makes sense. And he actually uses three uh, like triads, or three sets of three. And the entire thing is built about or around the Trinity. So he speaks of the one Spirit, right? The one Holy Spirit. Then he, then there's three things with that. So you have the one Spirit, and then you have one body, and you have one hope. Then he speaks about the one Lord. So this would be in reference to Jesus Christ. Jesus is often referred to as, uh, you know, Christ the Lord. So with Jesus our Lord, he connects one faith and one baptism, which are kind of the two... I mean, we'll get into this, but they're kind of the two experiences that we go through to enter into fellowship with, with Christ. And then 30 names God the Father, and he talks about how God the Father permeates all things and that he is over all, through all, and in all. So then after speaking about the entirety of the church, about the entirety of God, he moves into specifics about each believer, and he talks about the gifts given to, to each one. Not generic gifts, but very specific gifts. Uh, so he starts with Holy Spirit. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope that belongs to your call. The, the one body is an analogy for the church. Uh, Paul is the only New Testament author to use the human body as an analogy for the church. Uh, but the one body depicts the church as a, as a single, visible community. Uh, this is not something mystical. This is not something invisible. It's not mysterious. It is very tangible. It's, it's, it's very present. It's you and I. Um, just very, uh, very tangible. Uh, he talks about the one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, that lives and indwells in the body of Christ. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit lives within us. In, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is referred to as a unifier. Uh, he's referred to as a dove, wind, fire, oil of anointing, a seal, a deposit, a guide, a shepherd, a voice, God's gift, the power of God, the author of Scripture, 
comforter, counselor, advocate, convictor of sin. He's called a guide, an intercessor, the spirit of truth, the spirit of life. He's called a teacher. He's called a witness. Jesus ascended into heaven. He's there. He will come back again. God the Father is in heaven. It's the Holy Spirit who is here, who is with us now. And I know God's all present. There's the Trinity with the three and the one and the one and the three. And I still don't get how all that works together. But Jesus ascended. He says he's coming again. And so he sent the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, in many ways, really, it is the Holy Spirit that we are interacting with on a day-to-day basis. Um, And this is an area where uh, I I think where we could be stronger, where I could be stronger. Uh, I have, I've, I've got to be careful here, I have not yet seen where we as Mennonites really have a strong heritage or even really a, a strong current practice of studying and understanding the Holy Spirit especially compared uh, with other traditions, with, with other people groups, with other denominations. This is not just me. Other people have, have noticed this as well, too. For us, the Holy Spirit is, in some ways, kind of the forgotten part of the Trinity. Uh, we've talked, we, we've studied, we've written a lot about Jesus, about God the Father, but the Holy Spirit is uh, not as much. So, um, yeah, just an opinion there for you you disagree, my email is luke at somethingsomething.com. If you agree, I'll give you my real email address. He, he says that we, Paul says that we are called the one hope. Our hope is that there is a very good future for us. And that all of us are called to the one hope. You know, previously in Ephesians, he talked about Jews and Gentiles being reconciled. And now that it's one body regardless of your heritage, regardless of your ancestors, regardless of uh, what you inherited, regardless of your pedigree, we all inherit the same hope. We are called to one hope, uh, to a wonderful uh, eternity with God, enjoying Him forever. We have the first triad built around the Holy Spirit. Then we have the next triad built around Jesus. We have one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Often we read of Jesus Christ as Lord, or the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The apostles, the New Testament authors, often refer to Jesus Christ as Lord. Ephesians alone uh, uses over 20 references to Jesus as Lord. One faith. It's kind of interesting. This is one of those deals where it gets interpreted two ways, and the commentaries don't seem to agree, but they kind of both work, so I'm not really too worried about it. Um... Some say that the one faith is the gospel message, that it's not your personal faith, but rather the faith. You know, sometimes we refer to Christianity as the faith, as kind of the collective whole, as as just Christianity. So some say that the one faith is the faith. And others say, no, no, it's the opposite. It's it's your personal faith in Jesus Christ. But we, we all have to go through this process of expressing our personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have this this one faith in Christ. Well, which one is it? Well, I don't know that it matters, because they both work and they're both true, and it's it's both beautiful. Uh, It was interesting, though, to read in many ways, though, how how the one faith and the one baptism 
are, and the, and the term used was experiences. These are the experiences that we go through as we enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, which, of course, gets us into, into baptism. Um, it's, I mean, maybe he's talking about water baptism, but uh, it is believed that he's talking about a spiritual baptism. Water baptism does not save. It is symbolic. Uh, but spiritual baptism... The, I've kind of had tension with this verse, honestly, for a long time. Because this verse says one baptism. Well, how many times, or actually, how many different kinds of baptism do you suppose are distinctly named in the New Testament? I mean, here it says one baptism, but how many different kinds of baptism gets named? Depending on how you count it, there are at least six or seven different kinds of baptism that are referenced in New Testament. And so I've always kind of been like, well, how do you, I mean, like the one, but the seven, but the seven, but like, how does this all work? Um, not all of them are applicable for us today. For instance, Scripture talks about the Israelites being um, baptized into Moses in the Red Sea. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 12. But also, um, we, talk, we read about John the baptism giving a baptism of repentance, Mark 1, 4. Jesus talks about having to yet undergo a baptism of suffering in Mark 10, 38. And he also promises that James and John will also undergo a similar baptism. Acts 8.16 speaks of being baptized into Jesus. And it's in that verse, it's actually different than being baptized into the Holy Spirit. Also, Galatians, Romans, Colossians speak of being baptized into Jesus. Uh, only John the Baptist uses the phrase, baptized into the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are... Our scriptures on baptism with fire, baptism with water, baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, baptism into Jesus associated with receiving the Holy Spirit, and baptism into Jesus not associated with receiving the Holy Spirit, and then this one that talks about the one baptism. Most people uh, would say that there's one spiritual baptism and one water baptism that is symbolic, and with that, I would entirely agree. But just know that if you're ever feeling ornery and you're hoping to, to pick an argument with a Pentecostal or uh, even some of our MB churches within the conference, they are pretty well studied up on this and they will advocate for a separate Holy Spirit baptism. And uh, you better know your verses because uh, they know theirs. And some smart people have got a pretty good argument. So, careful with that one. The third triad is built around God the Father. The fullness, the bigness, the, the, the completeness of God. It speaks of His kind of His supreme transcendence. He is over all. He is through all. He is in all. And again, the commentaries debate. Well, I mean, are we talking about all the universe? Are we talking about all Christians? Are we are we talking about all people? And my feeling is yes, yes, and yes. So we're good either way. Paul continues. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. And here's where it shifts from the, from the collective whole to the individual. The, uh, as, apparently, as you dive into the Greek, the grace that is mentioned here is not the saving grace, but this is the equipping grace. This is the gift-giving grace. This is the grace that understands you in detail and equips you empowers you very specifically. You, 
for your life, for what it is that is ahead of you, for, for the tasks and the responsibilities that God is expecting of you. This is not generic big picture grace. This is nitty-gritty, in-your-face, in-your-life, day-to-day, customized to you and to your situation grace. You know, this last week we had a, a good VBS. And, I, I mean, in my opinion, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, we had all these volunteers. We, we had, you know, musically gifted people up on stage, and they're leading music and worship, and they have lots of energy. And we've got, you know, creative people completely redecorating rooms and, and putting mountains into Sunday school rooms. Who, who does that with scratch paper? I don't know. Um, we've got people wandering the halls, taking pictures, people who understand good photography, who have an artistic eye. Uh, we've got people in the kitchen preparing snacks by the truckload. We have you know, people praying all during the event. You know what I did? I ran a DVD player and I slid down a rope. Both of which I could teach any of you to do in an afternoon. Alright? Because I'm not musical. And I'm not creative. And I don't decorate well. I was a bachelor for many years. I don't decorate well. After like four years, some of my friends were like, you need something on the walls. You just have white walls. So I took maps road maps of British Columbia and stapled it to my wall. I was like, look at my, look at what I got on the wall. And they're like, no. And I'm, and I'm definitely not doing food prep for 100 people. But it was fun to see just these dozens of volunteers, each using the grace that God has given them and seeing them contribute that to the church, to the vision of the church to glorifying God, to making disciples. Uh, next week, we're going to dig into spiritual gifts in a lot more detail. Uh, Paul continues on in these verses. He starts talking about apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers, and, and we'll just we'll get into that next week. Um, but there's some, some good parts there. Uh, the last section, he says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Just a couple things to, that I point out on that. The, uh, you know, I, I used to think that I understood the, the captives thing. Now I have no idea. Uh, and I'm not sure anyone else does either. We'll just have to ask him at the end. You know, when he ascended on high, these captives that he led, what, what exactly are we talking about? Um, I don't know. If you know, let me know. Um, there is, I, I think it stems from one of the creeds that, creed that was written a, a long time ago. Uh, but some people believe that descended talks about Christ descending into hell. And it's not as prevalent today, but for a while it was believed that Christ actually descended into hell and suffered in hell for, for three days. Um, I would actually say no. Because on the cross, Christ said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. And so I believe that when Christ died, it was done, it was finished. And so when this passage talks about descending, it simply talks about His incarnation when Christ came on the earth as a baby, as a human, what all that meant, and that after He was done here, He ascended back into heaven. In the first few verses of Ephesians 4, 
uh, you know, that we talked about last week, verses 1, 2, 3. Uh, There's instructions on unity and how we are to be unified. What's also, what I find interesting, though, is that in today's verses, continuing on this picture of unity, it incorporates the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the amazing things we see is that the unity that is being asked of us is being incorporated and modeled and practiced by the Trinity. We are not being asked to do anything that God isn't already doing, that He isn't already practicing, that He isn't already experiencing, and that our unity as a church is really connected to the unity of of the Trinity. Marcus Buckingham is an author and a speaker. He's written some books and done some some videos a lot on strength-based work. Uh, he has a great quote. He said, well-rounded teams are composed, are composed of people who aren't. Well-rounded teams are composed of people who aren't. He's not talking just like your emotional balance. But well-rounded teams aren't a bunch of people who are just kind of generically good, sort of, at a lot of stuff, like some kind of little pocket Swiss Army knife. Good teams are composed of people where each one brings a unique strength, where each one brings a unique specialty. They're aware of their weaknesses. They know the nine things that they're not good at. They don't focus on the nine things they're not good at. They focus on the one thing that they can excel at, and they bring that full force to the team. And um, as I think just on this last week of VBS, um, how in many ways I, I, I saw that happen. You know, you and I are part of something much 